0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Metal Shop Podcast with me, Big Frog, and me, Mike Castleberry, and this time we are doing our tribute to Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen specifically. Obviously, uh, he just passed away last week, and we're still all wow, well, uh, a while, a couple of weeks, last ago. month at That's, this point. Yeah, <laughs> um, it seems like last week to me. It's you know, it's still something that. Every day, I'm like, you know, pops in my mind. You know, Lonnie got me a new uh, uh, framed poster to put up and stuff, and it's just like I put it up yesterday. Uh, I just got Guitar World tribute issue the day before yesterday, so it's still something that's like, you know, fresh on the mind and whatever. So we figured the timing was good. Yeah, we all have a, we both have a, a lot to say about it. I think.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know exactly. When you heard about it, I know I woke up and that was like the first thing I saw was, you know, Eddie Van Halen had passed away. And I think I just sent you a text real quick and I was like, fuck, dude, Eddie died. Yeah. But I don't know if you'd seen the news before that or not, but that was.
0: Yeah, it, I saw it and then there was a barrage of things and your thing was among them. But it was like really quick right after I saw it.
1: Yeah, it was, you know. um that was that was a hard one, man. That mm-hmm. kind of hit me in the gut. I not really felt like that since maybe Lemmy died mm-hmm. a few years back, you know. But even more so because I like Van Halen a lot longer than I like Motorhead. Right. And, uh, well, I liked the classic Van Halen. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. And I was thinking about it because... The thing about Eddie and the, and the thing about him dying is that we all kind of still wanted to see what he was going to do next. You know, was there going to be a, a, a Sammy Hagar reunion? Was the Roth thing going to go on? Maybe a new album, whatever. You know, it seemed like it was unfinished. You know, like something should have been upcoming. And, you know, I didn't go see him when they last came. But I had already decided that if they ever came again, I would go. Even if the prices were out of my range or whatever, I'd make it happen. Unfortunately, didn't get that chance. And that's kind of the way it seems to be going. I mean, you know, our, our stars are aging. You know, now with, with the COVID thing, it's even hard to know when you'll be able to see any bands. But I would implore people out there that if you really want to see somebody, see them. You know, because shit, all of our days are numbered and considering the era of music that we like, a lot of those dudes are getting of that age.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like, um, you know, I know it's kind of off of our normal thing we cover, but like when Tom Petty died, um, I like Tom Petty, Mm -hmm. my wife loves him, and he was just at Caboo Mm. uh, here in San Diego and so it was one of those things that you always think you're going to get another chance to see someone. Mm-hmm. And then he died, like, not long after he did Kaboo Here. So it was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> he was here in San Diego at a music festival, like a street festival. It wouldn't have been even been that expensive. Right. And, you know, with Van Halen, it was a little different because, uh, you know, the price was so high. Mm-hmm. I knew the price was going to be so high and when I listened to recordings and seen video I mean yeah Eddie was playing as good as ever but Roth was fucking done dude right. so I didn't want to pay that much money to see you know David Lee Roth sing talking all the all my favorites all my favorite songs you know it just felt like a lot a lot of money to pay for what wasn't represent representative of the Van Halen experience, you know
0: yeah, that's true I guess since we're since we're discussing the Roth era, we might as well uh, i mean the the Roth reunion, we might as well get into uh get into that. I was glad that it happened because I definitely didn't want the last Van Halen thing to be uh Gary Cherone you know album oh, fuck. so i'm glad that that the reunion happened it maybe it was a little late in the game you know uh dave was kind of down the lounge act street a little ways but you know when i saw that jimmy kimmel thing it was cool man you know i i was excited to see eddie play again playing great you know dave busted his nose right before the thing so he had that huge you know it looked funny but, you know, he was a new version of Dave or whatever, and that was kind of cool. So, you know, I was excited for it. What did you think of it?
1: Well, um, it was cool that it happened. Right. I was, I was glad it was happening. I wish it would have happened in, like, 1998 when we thought it was going to happen.
0: Right. Yeah. Well,
1: 96 is when we thought it was going to happen. Right. And then there was that whole debacle where it turned out Gary Sharon was already the guy yeah and roth was a diversion to sell the greatest hits package a little bit right but before we dig in too hard uh i did have a uh shit we missed entry for the day so as you know the few people that have been hanging around listening to us we did our power metal episode um like a month ago now uh we've had some issues uh mixing and stuff was a bitch and then my laptop fucking got ruined and i had to first i was trying to see if i could get it repaired then i had to buy a new one yeah i had to wait for that to deliver but um uh i had forgotten that we had briefly talked about avantasia in a previous episode like in the way way back Mm. when we're still recording at the the library oh wow um that was our uh underrated bands episode Right, And Aventasia came up because you had passed them along to me as part of this list. And I listened to the first metal opera record and there was a skit on it that I'd forgotten about until when we're listening to all these records and stuff for this episode, I sat down and listened and that skit comes up. I'd forgotten who it was from, but it's basically the scene is like a guy torturing a witch. But because they could only get like people in the band to do all the voice acting for this weird medieval torture scene skit, it's like a bunch of dudes that English is not their first language. Well, it's like one dude. I think it's just that the Tobias dude, and I think he changes his voice to sound like the witch. But um, it's bad. <laughs> it's corny, and I wanted to. I just wanted to bring that up because I was gonna try to do my impersonation of the first line from the torture on that and then have you put in the actual thing that was malleus (laughs) maleficarum it's like all you know you got organ music coming in and then you hear like the sounds like creaking sounds of a dungeon so then you kind of start realizing they're setting a mood and then it's just this dude like so daughter of the old evil spirit you still pretend you don't know (laughs) and i just start losing my mind laughing
2: so, daughter of the old evil spirit, you still pretend you don't know? Maybe we have a way to make you remember.
1: I have done wrong. Um, still the funniest thing I've ever heard on a metal record.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: I figured this wasn't going to be, a, since we're paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen for most of this episode, we needed something funny in here. Yeah. Things are, things are not going to be funny. Well, they might get funny for one of the records. Yeah. Be- <laughs> because uh, I had the idea when we just, were kicking this around after Eddie died, I so said we needed to do a tribute. So I wanted to go record by record and, you know, not do a deep dive on each one, but we'll talk about maybe a couple tracks we really like off of each one. Mm-hmm or some moments in a record that we think is super cool. But I remembered when we were doing Black Sabbath and we did that as a four-parter, I felt like it ended kind of anticlimactic because the last episode was basically all the stuff that wasn't Ozzy and Dio. Right. So we're talking about like Tony Martin and you know some of the guys that filled in briefly mm-hmm. before Tony Martin came in and so I felt like it was kind of like
0: it ended on a thud.
1: Yeah, it ends on a thud. Even though we like a lot, a couple of those records a lot, yeah. it, it, it's not the shit that you're really excited about. So for this one, I came up with the idea to do, let's check out each record in reverse order. Right. So we're going to start on a different kind of truth and work our way back to Van Halen 1. Right. That way, we don't have shit like Van Halen 3 almost at the
0: end. Right, that's <laughs> true. That is true.
1: We're getting that out of the way real early. Right. So we don't have to talk too much about it.
0: Right. So so basically, we're probably going to do this as a two-parter. And this part will be the Sammy era up till now. And then probably we'll do the rest on the next one. But yes, so the first one is a different kind of truth. The David Lee Roth um, comeback album, which was basically an album of, you know, old, Ideas and old songs that they had from the days that they kind of brought back to life and put back together. I guess it was kind of Wolfie's project.
1: Yeah. Well, what it was was, um, <clears throat> you know, they had the uh, they had the reunion tour, and it was really successful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, as people totally anticipated it would be. They made a fuck ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed, on the despite the tour being successful. And I guess he was kind of okay with being a nostalgia act at that point in his career. Mm. Um, he was hesitant to record new material. Right. Because um, the uh, tracks for the best of both worlds um, Greatest Hits Package, the second one that had come out, mm-hmm. they recorded a couple of tracks of Sammy mm-hmm. during that era. They didn't get very good reviews. Right. You know, they're like it's a cool Greatest Hits Package Um it's got a, a fair balance of, you know, Roth and Hagar and then has a couple of bonus tracks. And, you know, people kind of slammed the bonus tracks. So Eddie was like, oh, mm. maybe I'm just done writing music. Maybe I'm done recording music. I like playing, right? you know, and he likes playing with his kid. Right. And, Wolf- and Wolfgang was like, well, I want to record a fucking album. And in his mind, he's like, yeah, you guys are all fucking old and retired, but I'm like in my 20s, you know, I've I'm I'm in my prime. I'm starting off. I need to I want to get on an album. So he kind of dragged his dad in and he said, well, what if I go into the vault and pull up all these old demos and we listen to them and we kind of re-record some of these maybe with new lyrics or whatever? Mm hmm. You know, we'll get Dave. Dave will probably be on board with that. And in Wolfgang's mind, he was doing it as a way to get all these old dudes back in the mindset of when they're recording this shit. Right. So when they would, when they did record stuff that was all new, that wasn't, you know, a retooling of an old demo, it would at least sound like that shit.
0: Right. And that makes sense.
1: And honestly, um, is it my favorite Van Halen record? No. But um it's it's a fun listen. Eddie sounds fucking great on it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got some really cool solos mm-hmm. on that record that I think are underappreciated because, you know, they're the last things he recorded, not in the his prime as a the guitar god. But when you listen to this record and you listen to the, some of those solos, like it reminds you that Eddie Van Halen is still the best fucking guitarist on the planet when he wants to be, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So I wanted to give a couple of shout outs on that one um, because I really, really, really dig the solos on As Is and Big River on that. And then uh, probably my overall favorite song on the record is She's the Woman. I think they made, the biggest mistake they made with that record was having Tattoo as the lead single.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I was not too excited after I heard that. I was like, not that it was a bad song, just that, you know, when, when it's the first thing you put out, you would think it would be a strong song. And if that was going to be the stronger song, then I, I wasn't too uh, excited about the rest of them.
1: Yeah, I remember when it came out, because I hadn't heard anything about them recording a record at all. And all of a sudden, it was like, the new Van Halen single, Tattoo, and I listened to it, and I'm like, ooh, I don't like this. (laughs) You know? I was like, this is some fucking straight dad rock shit. Right. You know? Right. And the lyrics were corny and not in the good way. You know, Dave skirts that line a lot, especially on this record, because he's old Dave. Yeah. He has some of those lines, though, that uh, they're classic Dave in their feel. Right. Um, like, they don't have to rhyme, anything like that, like in As Is. Right. Uh, one of my favorite lines is like, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better, totally better, <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, um, on that song, I, I dig it because there's a tapping solo, right, which now is like played out. The idea of tapping is, like, played out. Like, um, I remember, I don't know if I told you, uh, we saw, uh, damn, what's that fool's name from um, Megadeth? And now he, now he plays solo, long-ass hair. Marty Friedman.
1: Marty, okay. We went
0: and saw Marty Friedman, and um, he's sick as fuck. And he uh, invited some, anyone who wanted to come and play to come up and play, Right. As, you know, I I remember if I said it at the time, but as luck would have it, I had a big ass cut on my finger. So it was an easy out for me to puss out and not do it. Right. Yeah. But some fucking guy got up there and, you know, he was all right. He was he was uh, he was cool. And then uh, Marty Friedman goes, just don't start tapping because then I'll I'll know you're done. Right. (laughs) Basically, like that's almost considered like now is like, well, fuck, if you don't have nowhere else to go. Fucking start, start fucking tapping. tapping and fucking whatever. Don't say <laughs> and that's how it is for everyone except Eddie Van Halen. Because the Eddie Van Halen tapping solo is still the shit. And you never know where the fuck he's going to go with it. And it's always fucking cool. And it's always sick. And it's just one of those things that it's like, yeah, there's all those things about whether or not he invented it or whatever. He didn't, but he made it a thing. And for him, it's still a fucking thing. And for nobody else, just for him. So I love that solo and I like that song. And that is one of the strengths of the album for me, too.
1: Yeah, that that tapping solo is classic Eddie. And it's, you know, yeah, we hear, you know, the the ultimate tapping solo is Interruption. But the thing about the solo and as is, is, yeah, it's an Eddie Van Halen tapping solo. But there's like a lighter touch to it on this. Like it's it's very clean it's Mm -hmm. you know just got a musicality to it that you know you don't usually see when people are tapping because a lot of times like you said when people are tapping it's a crutch they don't got nowhere else to go it's like you know when zach wilde is like well i guess i'll do some more pinch harmonics you know (laughs) yeah it's (laughs) like (laughs) yeah you know they go to that and there's it (laughs) they go to that because it works it's like even if you're kind of not that great of a soloist tapping still kind of sounds cool and it kind of comes off right oh yeah it's like this little trick you can learn how to do to impress people but eddie has a whole different like there's a point to it it's it's going somewhere whereas a lot of guys that's where it was going that's they're tapping for the sake of tapping and eddie's tapping it but it's got a direction to it and it's going to go and bend into something else. And so that's how I feel about that. It's, you know, you had, so you had almost 15 years between Van Allen albums at that point. And, um, that's a long time to go between, you know, the fucking guy, you know, the mm-hmm. ultimate guitar hero doing some shit. So,
0: right. Really. When it comes to guitar playing or not not guitar playing so much, songwriting. When it comes to songwriting and making up riffs and shit like that, it seems that even with the great ones, there's a point where the well runs dry. You know, that's what makes Tony Iommi so fucking impressive is that the well never ran dry. You know, but for most guys it does. And it seems like for Eddie, it was right around the Sharon era where he stopped just being able to just fucking write, you know, great songs. Because the Sharon Era songs weren't good. The the ones with the Sammy reunion were just okay, and then the other ones with Roth were pretty much reworks. So, nobody can write great songs forever. It doesn't seem like. But what Eddie could do was always construct a, a radical solo, always, you know, kill it when the spotlight was on him. So that's, you know, that brings enough of what makes Eddie Van Halen special to do that. And he still plays all the old rhythms and everything. Perfect. You know, his own way, because, you know, as we know from watching, I've watched all these cover bands and other bands that play Van Halen songs or whatever, and you can play the song. You can play a Van Halen song, But it's not going to sound like it sounds when Eddie plays it at all, really. So it's one of those things where, you know, he's a special dude. But even with special dudes, eventually sometimes the ideas of new creative ideas, they stop.
1: That is true. But at the same time, it's like um, I think we were talking about a video from before where Eddie was fucking around like on something and someone just kind of. They basically just handed him, like, a Strat plugged into, like, a, a shitty mm-hmm. amp, and he fucked around on that, and it's like, you know, it's not all, it's not always the gear. Like, he can fuck around on a Strat plugged into a crappy amp and make it sound sick. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. The thing about Eddie is, like, he was he was already next level, and then he used, like, his interest in gear, his interest in, you know, tweaking on guitars and all that shit, to get his shit so it was just so. And then that sound brought him even up to a higher level because one of the, besides his playing, his sound was revolutionary, you know. Um, and he continued to work on his sound all the way to the end. And one thing that I can say about Eddie, too, is he invented a lot of shit, He uh, modified a lot of shit. He came out with um, his own guitar models, his own effects models, his own amp models, and they're all fucking great. He never put his name on nothing that wasn't fucking good. So if you go out and get yourself that that, uh, 5150 EVH model, that's a nice guitar. If you get that 5150 amp, that's a sick ass amp. So, you know, his, as his equipment went, you know, his sound went, but you could plug Eddie Van Halen into a line six and that's fucking Eddie Van Halen all day. It doesn't matter. On this album, on A Different Truth, there was a lot of that. I thought like Blood and Fire had a, a classic kind of a, the spirit of Van Halen was in it. You know, it had the breakdown in the middle where, where, you know, Dave does Dave and whatever. and, and a classic Eddie solo. Actually, on um, Bullethead, I thought, kind of, I don't know if he did it on purpose, but it's a little Steve Vai-ish in the solo. Like, I don't know, maybe from uh, listening to Steve play his shit, he was like, you know what, I'm going to fuck around and do a little Steve Vai on this one or something. Because it sounds reminiscent. The other uh, songs, you know, there's parts of them that I like. Like, You and Your Blues has an aggressive solo. I like that shit. I like when Eddie, like, really attacks the strings, you know? And like you said, on some parts, towards the end of his career, he has that softer touch and a more melodic touch, which is also nice. But I love it when he's aggressive, because that's the Eddie that I've always, you know, loved since a kid. Yeah.
1: I also, I really dug just, you know, Chinatown is a fun one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there isn't anything other than tattoo that I'm not a big fan of. Um, I don't really like Honey Baby Sweetie Doll very much either. I kind of skip that one. Right. When I listen to it. But, you know, they can't all be bangers. Yeah, but, see uh, that
0: that one like, you know, it's got like some nice guitars on it or whatever. It just seems like not really complete song, more like a kind of, you know, just fucking around or whatever, but you know, it's still it's cool. It's cool. it's all right. Yeah.
1: So, moving on, since you brought up uh, Gary Sharon, uh, I got a challenge for you. Say <laughs> something nice about Van Halen 3.
0: Ah, it's really fucking hard to do that. Um, <laughs> you know what I can say? Uh, I watched um, the video that I, I texted you the picture. It was live in Australia on their tour. He's a strong performer. Gary Sharon is a strong performer. Uh, They really didn't do him any favors. It was like the emptiest, smallest Van Halen uh, set that I ever saw. You know, there was no fucking wall of amps or whatever. I think he had like three half stacks out there. They weren't even full stacks. You know, um, the, the stage wasn't, no, no pyrotechnics, no nothing. They were just like, okay, we're just, the four of us are just going to rock you guys. And they didn't have the songs to do that shit. You know, uh, Derry Sharon had the new short hair, which also, I mean, you know.
1: and that weird jacket. Yeah, the weird,
0: yeah, it was like a black suit. You know, he did weird shit. Went to, like, he went out in the crowd and he rolled, like, pretty far down the stairs. I was like, that shit had to have hurt. He almost fell a couple of, it was, it was really weird. <laughs> but, I mean. You know, it's one of those things where if I had seen them, just a band out of nowhere, and this was the band, I would have said, that's a pretty good fucking band. And and Gary Schroen's not a bad singer. It just wasn't Van Halen at all, you know, because it lost, like, like even when Sammy joined or whatever, they still continued certain things, like the party vibe of the band, you know, like the... uh. The, obviously the riffs and, and guitar solos and everything, the heavy drums, the big choruses and whatever, this didn't have any of that. So it, <laughs> uh, you know, so it didn't have any of the things that you would recognize as being Van Halen. So it was just rough going, rough going.
1: Yeah, no, I've, my whole thing was, is if I have to listen to this motherfucking thing again, you do too mm-hmm. this ain't fair that i have to keep listening to this shitty records mm-hmm. um i aggressively hate van halen 3 right. this is this is one of those things that I, didn't, I i didn't like it when it came out i heard maybe a single you know i heard like without you or something i was like mm-hmm. eh, don't really like it didn't even bother to dig into it and then years later i was like well maybe i should dig into it maybe there's some cool guitar in here right and this fucking album sucks yeah. it's just like it's a lot of almost songs. Right.
0: It right.
1: Does, like, they barely count as songs. Like, the structure is fucking weird. It's like, and I remember Sammy saying, you know, when he was in his, um, I'm criticizing Eddie mood when he was on the outs with them, he would talk shit and say, Eddie could write some cool riffs and he could do some cool solos, but he doesn't know how to write a song. Right. <laughs> you know, he's and he's like, he needs somebody to structure that with him. And for some fucking reason. Because he was talking about how Gary Sharon was his musical soulmate Mm -hmm. and all that. And this was going to be the perfect, like, this is his ultimate realization of what he wants to do. Right. And it's just a fucking mess. It's like, the songs are barely there. The fucking lyrics are weird. Right. Um, Like, Without You is probably the best song on it by, like, a lot. And it's not that good of a song. Yeah. That would be like an okay Sammy era. single. And it does
0: sound like Sammy era. That's like what, what, the? Uh, that's the closest one that comes to sounding kind of like Van Halen. And it sounds like the Sammy era. Yes.
1: Yeah, so when I had first heard that, I was like, hmm, this just sounds like more Sammy. I don't like it. And then my friend Sean was like, oh, I bought it the day it came out. And it's Jesus, dude, it's more terrible than you could ever yeah. imagine. And when I finally dug into this thing a a year or two ago, and then for this, it's just this thing, just like, fuck. It's like I'm mad when I listen to it. Like, (laughs) I've never been mad listening to a Van Halen record. Like, I'm just pissed at this thing for existing. Like, it gets to that song, Josephina, and it's like, what the fuck is this for? Like, I don't, it's just like him singing about a chick that he likes and then trying to imagine what she was like as a child and shit. I'm like, what is this? Who's this? you know yeah i'm I'm like this song sucks and it's weird it's like trying to do like a it's like eddie van halen trying to be queen or something but not being good at it And there's like shit like Dirty Water Dog that's awful, and I just remember like, you know, one of the lines being something like I'm a red blooded heterosexual, like that kind of shit. I'm like, this is <laughs> They try to get they try to get all political with Bowder the bullet, and that has probably the best riff on the record, but it's still right. a shitty song. And then it ends with how many say I and it's Eddie Van Halen. Playing piano and singing, you know, right. it's in that Van Halen group, people were talking about it, and someone's like, you know, it's the only time we ever got to hear Eddie on vocals, we should appreciate it, I'm like, man, they're more like how many say why, fuck this song, mm-hmm. like,
0: <laughs> yeah, the thing about this album is, like, first first of all, like you said, there's a <laughs> shocking lack of riffs, there's no riffs, the, like, the riff doesn't come first in the song, there's like some, a lot of weird acoustic intros, but they're not like memorable acoustic intros. They're just like, I don't know, you know. And then, like you said, if you're, if you're looking for um, good guitar work, there is good guitar work on it. It just doesn't sound like Eddie. You know, like on Once, the song kind of sounds like a Peter Gabriel song or something like that. And then the guitar really sounds a lot like Jeff Beck. And then yeah. there's other things where he's kind of getting in e or kind of getting, you know, Jimmy Page kind of vibe going. And it just doesn't sound like Eddie. And that's really one of the great things about Eddie is that he always sounds like Eddie. So this, yeah, just really, nah, man.
1: Yeah, I'm going to make you uh, plug in Josefina on this one because I, I hate that song so much and people have to really listen to it to understand why I hate it.
0: <laughs> yeah and, and then it's got a, that one's got a really weird solo too. It's like it, it's kind of phoned in or I don't know, to me it seems phoned in because like he could have done so much more in that space, but that's true of you know a lot of these things. like you say it's it's uh but you know what? it's one of those I'm sure they liked it. I'm sure that like Gary Sharon and Eddie Van Halen probably dug it. Like they were like, Yeah, dude, this this is killer. And then, you know.
1: No one else did, man. Like I've seen some people go like, Oh, this is a hidden unappreciated gem and I was like, Man, get off Eddie's nuts. Like right. this this sucks. This yeah. is bad. Uh, this isn't just a bad Van Halen record. This is just bad. Like it's it's the second worst album I've ever listened to in my entire <laughs> life. Um, Number one is still the Lou Reed and Metallica right. uh, yeah. compilation. Lulu, I hate that thing more than words can say. Right, um, but uh, all right, right, let's move this along. Well, you know what? Let's as get... a
0: as a last caveat on this one, just because um, I didn't want to hate so much on Gary Sharon, and there's a lot of things that I didn't like on this album that have nothing to do with Gary Sharon. But just as a frame of reference, I went and listened to like the last. Um, extreme album before this and it was way better than this because <laughs> that album was, you know, cohesive. The band had like a direction. They had a style. You know, they you know, and this didn't have any direction or any style or any so really, I mean, you could blame it all on Gary Schrome, but really in all, it just wasn't. Eddie. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be.
1: And what's so frustrating about it before we move on to balance um for all intents and purposes, this is Eddie Van Halen's like last like musical statement, direct, you know, statement. Yeah, this is what this was his defining statement as a recording artist, because his next album after that was a bunch of rehashes. Right. So this was him thinking this was like his ultimate creation. And I don't know what the fuck. Right. He must have been really heavily still on drugs around this time period. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I will say in Gary Sharon's defense, I remember you sent me that video of him at the uh Freddie Mercury yeah. tribute with when Extreme played a set there. Um yeah, if I had seen that, if that was my first exposure to Gary Sharon, I would have thought he was the next fucking Freddie Mercury. Yeah,
0: pretty much he killed it.
1: He had a great performance and an a, amazing voice and a stage presence and everything that's not on this fucking yeah. album. You know, it's like I don't know what the fuck happened there. right so let's uh moving backwards in time to the last uh sammy era record balance before we get Um,
0: into the albums we should just pretty much like okay what's your feeling of the sammy era overall
1: well I've, i've dunked on it before on this podcast um really digging in i listen to every single sammy record um to get prepared for this I appreciate it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like a lot of the singles were not representative of what the albums were as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh we'll get to that especially when we get to 5150. Um but um overall I still there's something about Sammy I don't like. Uh, <laughs> right. I can't put my finger on it. It's just he's got a great voice, but it's not He's got a great voice, but I've heard better voices Mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. far. And and he just doesn't have, like, the stage presence of some of these other dudes. Mm. Like, Dio, not only did he have an incredible voice, but he had a fucking stage presence. Mm -hmm. You know, Freddie Mercury, obviously the same thing. Rob Halford, Bruce Dickinson. These guys all have, like, a larger-than-life presence, too, when they're up there on stage. And Sammy he's got a big voice but it's there's all these rock singers that have a a little bit bigger of a voice than him and he doesn't have the char- charisma to overcome that so he just seems like this dude mm-hmm. you know he's just he's just some dude um on stage and i never get a rock star vibe out of him it's like this guy that can sing good but he's doing kick lines and shit and dressing in goofy costumes where he had like his hammer pants era Mm -hmm. you know and his big stupid poofy hair around that era like he just looks like a he like during that time period that was like what live without a net when he's got his his hammer pants and shit Mm -hmm. and his weird hair he looks like a fucking clown dude like (laughs) right and that's not cool clowns are never cool man they fuck you know yeah Even when they're beating up other comics that can't fight, you know.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's funny. That's funny because, like, I was literally around watching videos when the I Can't Drive 55 video came out, right? And if you watch it now, you're like, wow, that's some corny shit. But the thing is, is that that's the same thing you thought at the time when it came out. It's not that it's some <laughs> corny shit because it was old. It's some corny shit because it was always corny for the first fucking day. And we were just like, okay, what the fuck? And why red? And fucking, what's what, What's a three-lock box? And it was just fucking, Sammy Hagar was not like, like you said, not cool. And so when we when we heard that he was going to be joining Van Halen or whatever... I was like, well, I'm going to see what Dave's going to do because this is going to be fucking whack or whatever. So I never went to see them. Uh, I did listen to a lot of their music because my boy Rodney was into the Van H- the Van Hagar era just as much as he was, He, he like, it, it didn't drop off for him. Van Halen, he loved Van Halen. So he would play that shit and, you know, whatever. We would laugh at, you know, like dreams and shit like that.
1: <laughs> I wanted to say one last little thing just about Sammy in general. You know, I may have even said this on the podcast before. You know who Sammy reminds me of? It's fucking like Billy Squire. Mm. Like that level dude. Like had he not been gotten the Van Halen gig, mm-hmm. he would have been in the bargain bin with Billy Squire um as that second-rate rocker that you know some of like basically dudes that don't actually rock listen to but think that they rock like Billy Squire had like stroked me and shit like that, right. and it's Billy Squire without accidentally doing that fruity ass video that ruined his career. Right? Like, if Sammy had done that same video where he was dancing around like that, would have killed him. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> you know, and you're actually exactly right because that was what we thought of Sa- of Sammy was he that's you know where he was. Now, to be fair, once I. Uh, I've I seen, like you said, Live Without a Net. I saw another one that was just called Live in Concert. Uh, there's another one called Right Here, Right Now or something like that. And really, they're all worth watching because it's the best video that exists of Eddie. So if you want, if you want to see Eddie play live, these are the best um, chances that you get because really there's not very much good video with Dave. Outside of, like, the Kimmel appearance and, and like, this one concert f- from Largo, but it really looks like shit. So if you want to watch Eddie play, these are the ones to get during the Sammy era. And really, just looking at it from a just new perspective, they were really fucking entertaining. Like, their live show is really fucking off the hook. They went for it, fucking big-ass fucking stage sets, fucking... There wasn't an inch of that fucking thing that Sammy didn't cover. Eddie was all over the place. You know, uh, they had dueling guitar shit going on. You know, it was a pretty badass show, like, to the point where now... I kind of regret having never actually seen it because I've seen other bands that, like, you know, um, Aerosmith or Blue Oyster Cult or, you know, bands that were supposed to be kick-ass at the time, and these fucking Van Hagar was all over these motherfuckers that, you know, so really, I kind of think, uh, as far as the albums go, I'm kind of premature here, but really, if you take, like, the... The albums that they made and you could make one really great album out of those but the live show i think was really pretty outstanding i I can't fucking complain about it other than like you say it's sammy and his and his voice is not all that and like you said his presence is not all that he tries to make up for it with effort you know because he goes balls out effort wise it's the next. Obviously, it's the next best thing to the Dave era because we we found out later it could get way worse. So oh, yeah, yeah, you
1: know, I longed for it at that point. Um, so with balance, um, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, this is the worst um, Sammy era Van Halen record." I think mm. I ended up enjoying that one more than the other ones. Mm. Um, I feel like he had like depressed. Eddie at the time or something mm-hmm. cuz like some of the riffs were a lot angrier mm-hmm. and uh, than previous ones and the lyrics were a little darker so uh two that I picked out from Balance that I just wanted to talk about mainly for the riffs was uh, the main riff for Don't Tell Me What uh, Love Can Do has a really cool almost doomy sounding mm-hmm. riff um and Seventh Seal which uh opens the the album as a really cool just dark feeling riff to it that you don't expect out of eddie so um i enjoyed it um there is stuff on there like uh amsterdam which is kind of dumb which it's just a song about smoking weed in amsterdam right and eddie hated it in uh i was reading a bunch of uh articles where he's talking about recording that record he fucking hated it um He thought it was stupid. He thought and this is the problem. This is where the reason why this split really happened between Sammy and Eddie was because up until this record, Eddie just fucked off and left Sammy alone with writing lyrics Mm -hmm. because he was drunk all the time. Um, This is the first time Eddie recorded an album sober and all of a sudden he was really invested in the lyrics and wanted to work with Sammy on that a lot. So Sammy is like, this dude's fucking cramping my style out of out of nowhere. And he's even saying, he's like, dude, you've always left me the fuck alone. What the hell? He's like, well, I was always drunk before. I didn't give a shit about the lyrics. Now I do. So he got mad. He didn't like, especially because they're from the Netherlands or whatever. So he didn't, he didn't like the song Amsterdam being basically about his hometown. Yeah. And it's just a weed song. He thought it was dumb. And then he was talking about when uh, they recorded a... Uh, a uh the single um for uh twister the uh humans being
2: uh, and
1: supposedly the memo got sent that they wanted a van halen song on on the soundtrack but they didn't want it to just be about fucking tornadoes right so eddie keeps like talking and he's said he's like he's telling sammy he's like now you know they don't want a tornado song right and he's like yeah yeah no i know i know no and he's like but for some reason he keeps hitting me up and asking me to fax him like tornado (laughs) fast and he's like maybe he's just really interested in it for the sake of the the (laughs) for the sake of the movie and then he said he gets the lyrics back and he's like it was all tornado stuff yeah (laughs) so that's what ended up really breaking things apart is
0: he felt like sammy
1: wasn't listening so I did laugh at this, the quote of Eddie yelling, it was all tornado stuff.
0: Right, yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Um, like you said on that one, there's there's a lot of things I like. Again, this is one of those weird albums with naked kids on the cover. I don't know what the fuck was going on in those days, but they fucking... I did not a- like that era of album cover. Yeah, man. so that's the thing. Weird fucking thing. But um, on this one you know it's got like some like you said it's got some nice ballad type things on it you know like you said on Don't Tell Me I love the sound Uh, he brought back like the flanger sound from the early days which is a a classic Van Halen you know he's even he's got his own flanger so obviously it's something that uh, he should put to use and he does on that one (laughs) Okay. Like you said, on Amsterdam, the one thing that I liked about it was on the solo, it kind of sounds like what you might hear if you just heard Eddie warming up. And he's just, you know, kind of winging some some things and whatever. That's kind of what that solo sounds like, is he's just kind of bullshitting. And for anybody else, it would be like, what the fuck? But from Eddie, it's cool, you know? So I like that. Um, Aftershock, I liked it. It's kind of, because that's what I like about the Van, the Van Hagar era is that the band had a style, you know, whether you like the style or not, that's on you, but they definitely had a cohesive style and Aftershock is like perfectly within that style. So that's, that's pretty much what I, what I dig from that. Also tripped out on, um. Oh, on Take Me Back, he has like a kind of like a UFO type of like it's a Michael Schenker kind of thing. And uh, even though they were contemporaries, I know he liked Michael Schenker. And then there's that one song that I don't know how the fuck you say it, but it looks like Baloo Right? (laughs) And it's an interesting track because, you know, Eddie never did the guitar album. And, and I guess it just really ne- boils down to nobody could tell Eddie what to do. He didn't want to do something that he wasn't interested in. And what he was interested in, other people weren't interested in, it seems like. But a guitar album would have been epic if he would have decided to do that. And I think this song kind of gives you some idea what might maybe that would have been like a little bit. <laughs> Another thing while we're on it that I that I really thought would have been a great thing was, you know, at some point uh, it happened to Carlos Santana, too, that he, you know, kind of ran out of things creatively, whatever career wasn't really moving, you know. And then uh, the producer, Clive Davis, or I think whatever his name is, he came up with the idea of, hey, you know what, we're going to fucking find out everybody who fucking is fans of Santana. And just say, "Hey man, if you have a song that you think would be good to do with Carlos, you bring it, we'll give it a listen, and whatever." And they ended up making an album out of you know guest appearances with other people that actually brought their own songs, and then Carlos santanified them and and they ended up be, it ended up being a huge album. Yeah. If they could have done something like that with Eddie? That would have been fucking epic. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, you could have got artists from all kinds of things and just, and basically just let Eddie do Eddie. And it would have been, that would have been something I really would have fucking liked to see. Oh, for sure. Anyways, so that song make, made me think of that.
1: No, it's a cool song. That's a, you don't get like full instrumentals very often. Back in the way back Machine or on Fuck. Unlawful carnal knowledge. Um,
0: I was going to say that if you didn't. I was going to say, yes, this album is called Fuck. The
1: Fuck album. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know what? This is generally considered by a lot of people that aren't fans of the Sammy era, generally considered their favorite one um, that he did. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of got a little bored with it when I was listening to it. Um, There was some cool stuff on it. You know, the one that people point to a lot is Pound Cake. Um, yeah. And there's cool shit on Pound Cake, but for some reason, I just don't like the, the vocals too much on it. So right. it loses me a little bit on that. Um, but the whole power drill thing that Eddie yeah. does with it, it's kind of cool. Um, and I guess when they're, they would do that live in concert, Eddie would bust out a power drill that had like yeah. the Frankenstrat Exotic. you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> design. Um, it, it was
0: uh, it was the equivalent of uh, Jimmy Page's Jimmy Page's bow, yeah. right? But uh, updated to a drill. It sounds better in theory than it actually does, but whatever. It's cool because he's got a drill on yeah. the stage, and you know whatever. It's Eddie.
1: You know, uh, Mr. Big did something like that also. But uh, mm-hmm.
0: Well, Paul Gilbert was a huge Eddie guy. I mean, you know, everybody who came out in the 80s was a huge Eddie guy, so...
1: It's hard not to be.
0: Right, you see Eddie's influence all over. And this is another thing to where, you know, Eddie Van Halen probably never considered himself heavy metal or whatever, but he still influenced the entire heavy metal genre because you wanted to sound like Eddie. You wanted to fucking... uh, have you know kick-ass solos like eddie you wanted to do all the shit that eddie did even though they were a different kind of a different kind of band you know the the prototype for hair metal for sure but still you know eddie eddie had crossover value to everything so to me if if you're making a list of the best metal guitarists eddie van halen's on that list oh, for sure you know at the top of that list somewhere
1: so Some standout tracks for me on For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge other than the ones that I uh, mentioned. Um, The Dream Is Over has a pretty cool riff to it that I dug. I like 316, actually. You know, you got another acoustic, you know, little instrumental thing for many that isn't like him showing off like Spanish Fly. Like, it's just Mm -hmm. a little... just a nice little number, and I want to say that 316 is Wolfie's birthday or something like that, and that's why it's called that, and that's oh, why it's kind of like okay. this sweet ballady acoustic thing, uh, so it's kind of dedicated to him. Um, Top of the World is just a, that's a, you know, it's hard not to listen to that and not kind of have a smile on your face, you know? Totally. It's that big, soaring, Journey-esque song for them, and it's fun, and... Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um I mean I know right now was the big song off of this one, but you know, I can't I can't hear it and not think of Crystal Pepsi commercials. Right. So
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh right now was um it was huge and the video was kind of revolutionary the way that they shot it or whatever. Because I mean, you know, videos videos went from fucking just the corniest shit ever to becoming, like, you know, relevant to a short film, like, in, in a very short time. And this was one of, the, one of the jumps where it was, like, a critically acclaimed video or whatever. And the song was okay. But this is where I kind of differ from you as far as Van Hagar. Uh, I like the hits. It's like, I don't know why. I think it's because that's the shit that was, yeah, that's the shit that was playing over and over in Rodney's room. And so to me, like, you know, right now is a cool song. Uh, I really love the song Run Around. It's like, it's probably one of my favorite Van Hagar era songs because it just like really encapsulates what that band is all about, you know. the big choruses and that's another thing too is when when sammy joined michael anthony i mean not that he needed to or even really could but he kind of stepped his vocal game up a little bit even further because now he had to like mix in with sammy and some of those choruses are huge like if they had to do a sammy hagar era reunion with wolfie i don't think it would fly because I don't think he could cover those parts as he did with the the Dave parts, but yeah, th- those are the songs that I like, um, especially "Run Around." That's it plays in my head. It's been like the last couple of days.
1: "Run Around" is a cool song. I do like it. Um, yeah, no, I get what you mean about that whole thing. And honestly, it's interesting because this was around the time period I became aware of Van Halen,
2: because
1: mm. you know that this came out when. Let's see. For Unlawful Cardinal Knowledge, that came out in June 1991. So I was, you know, about to turn 11. Uh, Mm. So I remember, you know, I had MTV. I remember seeing the Right Now, you know, video all the time. So that was my first exposure to what Van Halen was, you know, because I wasn't watching MTV when, you know, Dave was on it. So I remember I remember the video very distinctly, and then I remember it becoming the theme for the Crystal Pepsi commercials when I was in sixth grade. <laughs> so that kind of fucked it up for me because it's this big, it's a very artistic video, and it's this big thing, and then it's, <laughs> here's Clear <laughs> Pepsi. And then I remember them uh, parodying that on SNL with Crystal Gravy with a parody oh, of Right Now. Oh, no. But that was during the Clear Beverage craze, man. There was this weird craze where, clear soda somehow equaled healthier. Right. And I remember it being a big deal when my parents bought a two liter of crystal Pepsi because we'd seen all those commercials and then we all poured ourselves a glass and then everybody's like, it tastes like sugar water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You know what I thought was going to catch on? Cause when uh, I used to take care of my sister's kids And I don't know if it's still the case, but during that era, kids used to drink a lot of Gatorade. And they came out with clear Gatorade for a while. And it was great because it would spill, it wouldn't make stains. You know, it tasted the fucking same as the other ones Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I don't know why it didn't catch on. It seemed like a no-brainer to me. Especially because kids drink it and it doesn't stain. Oh
1: yeah, I remember that it was like cherry ice or something like that. So it tasted like cherry, but it was clear. It's like yeah. back when they would do shit like they'd have a, a Kool-Aid flavor where like it would taste like, you know, berry or something, but be a different color because they can just fucking do that. And oh, I still yeah. remember my mom seeing the packaging of one and it was like, <laughs> looks yellow, tastes red. And she's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, that yeah, doesn't sound crazy. appetizing. It's like, yeah, it looks like piss, but it tastes like blood. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's go down to. We're getting close to the end of the Sammy stuff, and I wanted to try to right. not go too far over an hour on this. Right. Um, OU812, that's the one I know you don't like very much.
0: Uh, yeah, it's not, it doesn't have, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> this is a miss for me. I like a couple of things, you know, uh, that AFU, that's a pretty cool song. It's, you know, it's got the energy or whatever. Finish what you started is pretty much a it's a live staple and then um, and then when it's love it, when it's love it's like it seems like it could have been a such a great song but Sammy's vocals are so overdone and he's just like it's just like wow it didn't require that I like the choruses on that uh, again it's still this album still has a lot of the elements that I like sonically it sounds like right. But it's just the songs that weren't there. for
1: Yeah, me. for me, um, I liked okay, Cabo Wabo. I'm not a big fan of the lyrics of it. This is a problem I have: is I have to work around the the saminess of a lot of this shit. Mm-hmm. But it's got a cool kind of a stomp to it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got like a groove um, that you don't get in too many Van Halen songs, especially of that era. So the 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 riff and Everything else about it is cool. It's got corny lyrics. It's about Cabo Wabo and Mm -hmm. fucking God, man. Sammy just he can't shut the fuck up about Cabo Wabo. He bought his Cabo Wabo Cantina. He's got his Cabo Wabo tequila, you know. Right. So that's his brand, and it's like yeah. So it's kind of you feel like it's a commercial for his brand, but this is before it was like his brand, you know. So
0: right. Yeah, it was all leading up to it. But you know what? I, um, I actually found out some shit today that I didn't really know. And that's that when Sammy left, and then the band was kind of on hiatus or whatever, and then he did that tour with Dave, um, Michael Anthony was part of that. Yeah. And he was in The Wabos. It was Sammy Hagar and The Wabos. Uh, I
1: think it was The Wabaritos or something, yeah.
0: Yeah. They did a DVD called The Long Road to Cabo. And it, it, I guess it's about that tour, or whatever. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I was reading about it. I just downloaded it, and basically, it's you know, it has little references to the tour, and talking about you know how Dave, although uh, Dave never played with with uh, Michael Anthony on the tour, he would um, clown him like, hey, do the brothers know you're here? <laughs> you know, is this gonna be you know, is this gonna be a thing or whatever? And basically. When Sammy went back with Van Halen, it was like they forgave Sammy, but but they never forgave Michael, right? So, really, they didn't want him to even be in that reunion, and he was only in it because Sammy insisted. Yeah. And that was the first time for those three songs that were uh, additional to the um, box set or whatever. Those are the only three songs that Van Halen recorded. Where everyone on the song doesn't get a writing credit, everyone except Michael Anthony gets writing credit on those on those songs, and that's not the case for any other album. So they were really, really, really pissed at him. Yeah, or Eddie was. Well,
1: they weren't doing anything at the time, you know. Right. Um, What was funny to me because that's I always remember the VH1 special, the the Sammy and Dave show. Uh, They Mm -hmm. did a special about that tour, and I've always think whenever I think of it, you know, it was always Dave Sammy would try to party with Dave and Dave wasn't he, interested. And there was one right. one of those scenes in it, it's you got Dave on his tour bus and Sammy's kinda of pounding on the on the window. He's like, come on out, party like he's really trying to reach out. And you yeah, got Dave si- sitting on the sofa with his his crew. And he's like, ah, oh, there's there's Sammy pounding on the window again, a bottle of tequila in one hand and his dick in the other. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but uh, That's one thing, man. It's like, you know, well I'd definitely rather watch Dave, but uh I'd definitely rather party with Sammy. You, I mean Sammy just seems like a fucking fun yeah. guy. You know, he's not like and you know what? I don't know the dude. Maybe he is like a fucking egomaniac and other shit that dave seems like but sammy doesn't so you never really know but he really doesn't see he seems like just a dude yeah
1: from all outward appearances he seems like a cool guy uh but yeah that whole the sammy and dave show documentary about that is entertaining uh to say the least and you know it's it's sammy getting progressively more annoyed at david lee roth basically because he's just like you know this guy's out here like i'm the fucking star of the show and Sammy's like mm-hmm. I got you out on the road motherfucker you weren't doing nothing <laughs> so mm-hmm. but uh, anyway OU812 my last little thing to say about that other than Cabo Wabo is I actually really there's it barely has lyrics so that kind of works to its its benefit even though the lyrics that it does have are stupid but uh, right. uh, Source of Infection is just a sick Van Halen jam <laughs> It's right. got parts in it that remind me of Panama. So it kind of like, I think I like it because it reminds me of better Van Halen songs, but it's just a really cool Van Halen jam where they just fucking go to town. And then there's some corny, little corny lyrics yelled in there a bit, but it's, I feel like it, it was supposed to be an instrumental and then they had to work some stuff in there. That's, yeah. that, that's all I got to say about OU812.
0: Right. You know, another thing about uh, the Sam, the Van Hagar albums is that. They're like a good 15 minutes longer than the average Van Halen with Dave album. Because of the, uh, the old first four, those albums are like 35 minutes, you know, like that. They're just like barely fucking albums, really. And, and once they got Sammy, they started getting onto where you could barely fit it on, on a tape. So that's one thing that they got more songs out of uh, the Sammy era. I think when Sammy joined for Eddie, it was just easy at first to write songs because Sammy could put the structure in Sammy could play guitar so they could just like uh, bump shit off of each other. And it worked at first, you know, until it didn't like you said with the lyrics and the, and the clashes, which, you know, in a sense it's, it's kind of, kind Of not fair for like an alcoholic drug addict to kind of take the whole band on his fucking <laughs> ups and downs and topsy turvy or whatever, yeah. but that's the way it goes. So,
1: so you got to have a sober guy in there. That's why uh Eddie Van Halen's career went one way and Michael Shanker's went the other, you
0: know. Yeah, Michael Shanker yeah.
1: ain't any less of a guitarist, but he was more of a yep. drug addict, so yeah, <laughs> and he yeah. didn't have a counterbalance.
0: Yeah, there you, <laughs> you go. Know.
1: Uh, that's the thing about eddie is i'm sure dave was doing hella blow back in the day too but dave seems like he was rad when he was on blow and eddie seems like he was not rad (laughs) right like eddie is like like dave is like way more interesting or just like finds other people more interesting whereas drugged up eddie seems like he was super not fun to be around
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, like, Dave would fucking, Dave would probably, you know, get sparked and go do his fucking sword fighting and fucking yoga and fucking all his weird shit that he would get in martial arts, all his weird shit that he would get into, and he would just be in the fucking garage with a drill or in the studio or fucking drinking or by himself, pretty much, you know, and... and, He eventually
1: got into meth, but he had those tweaker tendencies from the get-go.
0: For um, sure, for so sure. let's
1: get it, down. we're going to get to the last album of the day, the DOG yes. Van Hagar album, 5150. Um, you know what? This is where I wanted to talk about this a little bit, um, where I was saying I was going to get to this when we get to 5150. Um, my entire basis of what I thought about Van Hagar was based off of Aside From Here and Right Now When I Was a Child. Was why can't this be love? Right. Being the big first uh, single off of Fifty One Fifty, so this is the song you think about <laughs> when you think of this record. And I don't think it's represent- representative of what the entire record sounds like. Right, and it's it's the same thing as Tattoo. When you hear yeah. Tattoo, you immediately go, "This is gonna suck." When you hear "Why Can't This Be Love," you're like, "Oh, it's all shit." Oh God, they're just shitty ballads now. Like, Mm -hmm. and there's some cool shit on Fifty One Fifty that I didn't give a try until recently, based off of how much I don't like "Why Can't This Be Love." And there's a lot of people that are like that. In fact, when I think I sent you the, one of us sent each other that list of uh, that guy that ranked every single Van Halen song ever. Yeah, I, I don't know if I sent you that or not, a friend, but he ranked fifty. He ranked. Why can't this be loved as the worst Van Halen song?
0: <laughs> because wow. of that,
1: because of what it represented. Right, he was saying. Right, at there, there, there are plenty of songs in the Van Halen catalog I would listen to. I'd rather listen to you know. Uh, mm-hmm. There's more. There's songs I hate more than why can't this be love as as a song but he was like this is the dumbest lead single for them to put out because mm-hmm. that alienated a bunch of fans immediately and if they would have yeah. let's say i was a teenager when 5150 came out let's say van Halen's my favorite fucking band in the world and i hear why can't this be love i'm gonna be like all right i'm fucking done like i, I need mm-hmm. to find a new thing i'm into now this is whack if they mm-hmm. let off with something like, uh, uh, get up.
0: I would have been like summer nights. Yeah,
1: I would have been like, okay. Okay, this is on par with what I like because get up, fucking rocks. That that's a just a great rocker. That's you know still has that flavor from the classic Van Halen, holding over there. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, summer nights is just a really cool, chill, fun summer song. Like yeah, I can get down with that. Um, best of both worlds. The chorus probably has the absolute best Sammy Hagar vocal hook yeah. um, he ever did in Van Halen. Any of those songs would have been a better first impression than Why Can't right. This Be Love. But they really wanted to put it out that this is a new band, a new thing. And right. I think that turned off a lot of people that never turned, tuned back in. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? I'm not even going to lie. That was the exact fucking same feeling that I got the first time I heard jump. <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh no. But not as bad as this, but still. But yeah. Um, but then Panama came out and you're like, okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. But another, another thing is that, you know, this with Sammy and the fact that he plays guitar and he's not that bad a guitar player either they really could have fucking been like a fucking wicked two guitar band if they didn't like, you know, again, Eddie has to do what he wants to do and keyboards were on his mind and he wanted to fucking do it. And then on this one, they really came up even more up front on like, why can't this be love? And it was just like overwhelming keyboards. And if you fucking fast forward... To the end of Van Halen, when they did, you know, Kimmel, um, I'm I'm pretty sure that it probably translated to the tour when he did a uh, Van Halen three with with Sharon live. There's no keyboards on stage. He was done with that shit by that time. The keyboards are are triggered or or played off stage or something. Mm-hmm. That you know. So really, it was a phase. It was a long phase, but it was a phase. And oh uh, man, if he could have just ignored that phase or turned it down a little, we could have got a lot way better shit, Yeah, I think, during this and, time. Yeah, and
1: you know, going by the uh, the release order of singles, the, the lead single is Why Can't This Be Love, and the B-side on it was Get Up, you know? Mm. The second yeah. single was Dreams, and then right. the B-side on that was Inside. The third right. single was Love Walks In with the B-side of Summer Nights. It's like, and then the fourth was Best of Both Worlds, and then they did an actual summer night single in december right. of 86 but it's like they put their kind of we we'll songs front and center on that man mm-hmm. and that's where i thought because of that looking back you know i only had access to what i could get my hands on as a teenager when i'm getting into van halen in retrospect right. dave's been long gone by the time i'm into him all you're seeing is these weak ass ballads so it's like oh this is some pussy shit you know so had they went like here's you know here's summer nights or here's get up i think a lot of people would have responded differently and you know i know dreams yeah. like is inspiring to some people but ew.
0: right <laughs> you know and there you go and again you know for for us um it just goes to show that you know our taste our tastes don't necessarily translate because it went number 1 right So, I think this was the first Van Halen number one album. Yeah. So, that's, it's like, you know, there you go. (laughs) We didn't like it, but it worked. So, it's one of those things with the, um, that's always going to be the commercial, not commercial, too commercial. With this, it was just like the songs were commercial enough that they didn't have to, like, really commercial them up more as much as they did. Yeah. They could have rocked them out a little bit more, and I think they still would have done really good numbers and been a little bit more, you know. But, like you said, they were trying to introduce a new thing, and at least it was a thing. You know, Sammy Hagar, they, here, we have this thing, we're going to introduce it, whereas the Sharon was like, we don't really have a thing, but we're just going to, like, do it So, yeah,
1: yeah. surprise. And we're going to call it Van Halen 3. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So, that's it for part one, which would also mostly seem like part two of the Van Halen uh, tribute episode. We'll be back next week, I'm going to say, because I'm going to edit this one fast. So, we're going to be back next week with um, part two, which will be
1: all the Dave
0: shit. (laughs) All the Dave shit, the early years of Van Halen. So, until the next one, this is me, Big Frog. Me, Mike Castleberry. And we are out.